Hey, welcome to The Debrief, a conversation to help you take the sermon farther into your week and deeper into your life. Today we're discussing this most recent Sunday's message, our final message in the Didn't See It Coming series, all on insecurity. And we found that insecurity is linked to pride. Hope that message was helpful for you. If you haven't heard it, you can check it out. It is the episode just previous to this one on the podcast, and we'll get into our conversation about insecurity. So you opened up talking about um, five signs that this is your struggle with uh, insecurity. Mm-hmm. The first one was that you regularly compare yourself to others. Second one, um, self-worth is dependent on your latest results. Number three, you struggle to celebrate others' success. Number four, you edge gifted people out of your life. And number five, uh, you have to have the last say in everything. Did any of those particularly resonate with you? Yeah, so the self-worth is wrapped up in your latest results, definitely. Um, at the end of the day, I can't be like, these. I can't measure what I did. So when there are some measurements of our our ministry and work, it's really hard for me not to, to get uh, compulsive about those numbers, about those figures. I mean, what was attendance this past week? And it's kind of weird that kind of right now, we don't really even know how to count because... We have two services, and there's a good number of people who are worshiping in one and serving in the other, and we don't want to count them twice. I don't feel like that is a a fair representation of how many people were here. Um, From what I understand, that's kind of an industry standard, though. You just count people who were present both times and then add it up, and that's how many people you had. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate, you know, but... uh, and because we have so many people who are being so generous with you know, and volunteering and doing both, it's kind of it's kind of ambiguous right now. Even that for me, there was a period of time as a pastor that I had to not look at the attendance cards. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to not pay attention to what the attendance was the previous Sunday. Yeah, I was going to ask you what do you what do you feel like that situation of still like having some type of judgment of like whether you're doing well uh, looks like uh, whenever you're in a healthy state. What is, because you still have to make that judgment, but mm-hmm. what does that look like in a healthy state for it to not be uh, insecurity stemming from your, from some form of pride? So Martin Lloyd-Jones is like one of the like premier preachers and he said that it always seemed like to him that the Sunday, the Sundays that he preached, what he felt was one of his better or best messages that the Sunday after that attendance would be down. And then Sundays where he preached a message where he didn't feel like he had done very well, the following Sunday attendance would be up. And he felt like that was just constantly God showing him, it's not about you. (laughs) (laughs) You can do a great job. And, and so I think being at a place where I'm not looking at the numbers to see like, am I doing a good job or not? I'm looking at the numbers to determine what decisions do we need to make for a, from a capacity standpoint, what do we need to do to make sure that we are providing plenty of room for people to be here and we're providing plenty of volunteers to make sure the kids are taken care of and, and that kind of thing. If I'm looking at it from a standpoint of, I need to know this so that we can serve others better, that's good. But if I'm looking at it from a standpoint of, look what we accomplished, that's not healthy. That's good. For me, I thought the third one resonated um, quite a bit struggle to celebrate other people's success. Um, I remember 
pretty distinctly, maybe the first time I ever realized that this was a problem for me was whenever I was interning here, and at the end of the internship, we went to the We Start Churches conference. Tommy Swindle. Tommy Swindle, yeah. So Tommy was there, and he is just the biggest encourager in the whole world. Yeah. Um, and just said encouraging things to me, not knowing me very well. Um, and then I know he was encouraging a lot of other people, and he's just incredibly encouraging. And I thought about it, and I was like, man, I'd love to be more like that. Why don't I do that? And I, the reason is because I try to minimize other people's success so that then I don't feel bad for not like being that successful. <laughs> so I, I don't want to celebrate other people's success most of the time. And it's a, it's a huge discipline to try and say, but like my, my gut reaction, anytime someone tells me something awesome that's happened, is for me to be like, oh, but this was going on. <laughs> or, like, well, the reason was this, sure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I really have to like fight that and be like, that is so awesome. And like try to, try to be encouraging, it, particularly probably more so in like fields where I feel like I'm proficient. Like if it's um, reading something interesting or like learning about a certain subject, like I, I feel like I've got to be the person there. So for someone to threaten my spot right it's like it, it hurts me to like not say things but it's like these people can be awesome at things that i like too like it doesn't sure. it doesn't matter at all but it's pride mm-hmm. like rearing its head and, and my insecurity about yeah um, those things paul in giving us the example of humility he tells us that jesus was totally confident who he was. He was totally clear on the fact that he was equal. He had equality with God. And he didn't view that as something that had to be grasped or it was robbery. And so understanding who we are is essential, I think, to humility because I'm not grasping for something more. I know who I am and I'm comfortable with that. And so I'm comfortable in my own skin. And you can be comfortable in your own skin and know your identity without being proud or arrogant. Um, And that quote, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And that is often attributed to C.S. Lewis, but he didn't say that. It's just kind of like a summary of some of his thoughts on your Christianity. And so being comfortable with who you are, getting to know who you truly are and, and what you're made for and your personality and your gifts, that's not narcissism or navel gazing or just being in love with self, getting to know who you really are, being comfortable with that can lead towards humility. Yeah, there's a there's a character in David Copperfield named Ezra Pound, and he's he's kind of the villain of the story. But he grows up as like very underprivileged and he always says he's so humble, so humble. <laughs> And he never says his age. It's so humble. Um, and it, but he's he's really saying like I'm I'm not worth anything. Um, and but he never uses it to actually say that because he really believes that he is worth a lot. And like be, especially because he's come from the bottom and now he's working his way to the top, he always uses that as a way to beg for a compliment or um, to to show how like biggest swing his life has taken 
so his his humility is a false humility and mm-hmm. he's he's so humble but only so that he can he can use that as something to prop himself up as someone who's so awesome yeah you said it there beg for compliment i hate that i hate when someone uses false humility to beg for compliment they're basically like they're just begging for someone to lavish some praise on them it's so needy yeah it's it's just a further expression of a, a humility that's really just pride veiled yeah it's it's layers covering up insecurity is mm-hmm. what it is yeah yeah i uh i kind of drew out this cycle that i feel like seems pretty accurate so everyone's you, you think that everyone's looking at you um everyone's evaluating you that's the the insecurity um but it, you have to have that assumption that everyone is looking at you that's kind of the pride and then that leads or you realize like no no one's not or no one's actually paying attention to me but then that leads to being insecure about that fact so right. you, then you have to prove yourself in some way why is no one paying attention right i've got to be better like i've got to do something better i've got to solidify who i am and then that leads back to the exact same cycle of insecurity <laughs> you're insecure and then everybody's looking at you but no one's looking at you and then i've got to be better and you you're trying to establish an identity in a repeating cycle it's just like the cyclical thing <laughs> that is never gonna end it's not fulfilling i uh you know i'm currently watching the office and preparing for this message last week and watching the office i was like michael scott is like a case study <laughs> in insecurity you know i mean so yes. much of what he does he's just desperate for attention desperate to be you know uh, friends with everybody and wants all of his co-workers to be his friends and not just his underlings and stuff you know and he just constantly does stuff that makes you cringe he doesn't want people to be afraid of him they want he wants people to be afraid of how much they love him right right, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh and and when people when people don't have humility they do humiliating things mm. and we're embarrassed for them and there are so many moments on that show where Michael Scott does things that you're embarrassed for him, uh, but he's so not embarrassed. Yeah, it never is. <laughs> you just get to keep feeling embarrassed for him right. all the way through. So you talked about empty calories and donuts, and you, you took shots at donuts and stuff. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to do. Donuts <laughs> and I have a long relationship, long complicated relationship, so I feel bad talking bad about them like I did in the Right. <laughs> Uh, what, how did that relate to, um, pride, um, and how we try to, to heal our insecurities? Yeah. So Paul says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory and vain glory is an empty glory. It's a compound word there. Empty glory. It's, it's glory that's emptiness and doesn't have any substance to it. And when we're doing things for the show, when we're doing things for people to look at us, it's emptiness. Mm-hmm. And um, when we help someone out of vainglory, um, we're doing it for people to see. And that's the reward. That's it. It's just that being seen. That's all that there is to it. Yeah. Um, it's really empty. It's not going to be meaningful or significant. Yeah. And that it, it doesn't really change the thing that you do so much as why you do it. Right. And uh, Al Mohler calls this the Boy Scout Dilemma. Do you help the old lady across the road because you want to help the old lady or because you want your badge? 
Right. Right. <laughs> you, is so it, is it an intrinsic motivation or an extrinsic yes. motivation? Right. Yes. It's the same action. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's two totally different mindsets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the dilemma that we face in everything that we do. <laughs> and so it's interesting that Jesus said that those who do those things for the attention, they have the reward. And yeah, that's it. That's where it ends. But if you do something kind... Uh, in the name of Christ, because Christ has made this difference in you. He's brought about this change within you that Matt's recorded in heaven. Mm. You know, a big difference there. Right. In fasting, he says, uh, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Right. Right. Like, it's supposed to be pretty secret. Um, Whatever you think about uh, kind of good deeds, sometimes you see a lot of good deeds on Facebook. Oh, yeah. But... Kind of according to that passage, it almost seems like, well, there's your reward. Mm-hmm. Everybody saw you doing that really good thing. And I'll be honest, there is some times that as a church, you know, we're involved in things and, uh, you know, we have to be careful that, that our Facebook feed for our church page isn't become like this, look how great we are type thing. You know, that would be unhealthy and it would be modeling the absolutely wrong thing. Yeah. So the way that we heal pride um, and, and that insecurity um, that goes right along with our pride um, and our, our wanting to be noticed um, and to be respected and to have our identity and maybe an occupation or a relationship or something like that. You said that the, the real healing comes in like owning up to your identity in Christ, like you, that we've been given this royal identity. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so Jesus is equal with God, leaves the right hand of the Father to come and be among us as a man, humbles himself to be in our state, and he does that so that we're able to go to where he was. So he lowers himself so he can raise us up, and he valued us so highly that he did that for us and when we appreciate how great of a humbling that was for Jesus we see how much he values us how much he loves us and he wants to raise us up that's huge and when we realize how much we're loved by God um, that he calls us his sons and daughters uh, and that's the identity that that we need that we crave it's an identity in him. And I think that a lot of people today, a lot of their choices, a lot of the names that they want to take, the labels that they take on, they take on labels because they want an identity. They want a group. They want a family. They want to belong to something. It might have to do with their sexuality or their politics or their hobbies, but they're quick to take on this label because they want an identity. Mm-hmm. They want to be known for that. They want to fit in with that group. Um, and I, I think for some, the, the motivation is more about that identity and that group than it is the actual label mm-hmm. that they take on. So there's this reality that if you are uh, following Jesus, you're seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ. An incredible truth. And that is our identity as Christians. Like mm-hmm. We are identified with Christ. We are royals. Yeah. So how do we experience that on a day-to-day basis? In 
the everyday moments of whenever we are trying to establish ourselves and help. I mean, we want people to recognize that we are good workers. Uh, we want people to recognize um, that we aren't bumming it every day and like we look like decent people or whatever. How do we how do we balance this fact that like our identity is not in just what we do or how we act, uh, but rather this amazing position that we are in in being identified in Christ? How can we be reminded of that? For a lot of people, they forget who they are. Maybe somebody goes to college and they get a career, they get a job, whatever. But then they come back and they spend time with their family and they realize, they remember who they are. These are my roots. These are my people. Um, this is where I'm from. And so I think when we spend time with our, our family of God, mm. it helps us remember who we are. When we yeah. gather with the family for a family meal, which is our worship service, it helps us remember who we are. Um, I think when we spend time with the Lord and we talk with Him and we read about these incredible truths and promises that are in His Word, these things that are available to us, these helps, these comforts um, that He has made available to us, um, we're reminded of who we are. Like a, like a prince who is lost and comes home and he has a throne and he has a steed and he has a coat of armor and all of that. Uh, when we make use of those things, we remember who, who we are. Yeah, and every time we gather, we, we recognize that it's not all about us. It's, mm-hmm. it's about this body of Christ, the, the church, which is made up of many parts of which we, we function in the church, but we are not the church. Right. We are not alone um, in this. We're, we're a part of a whole group of people that are so loved by Jesus that we're called the bride of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we're a part of the most important. I mean, our, yeah, our identity is secured in, in not being about us. Right. And instead of counterintuitively thinking, like, I just need to treat myself and, like, love myself. Treat yourself. Yeah, treat yourself. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's, it's counterintuitively not about that. It's mm-hmm. not about um, making it all about you, but rather whenever you find yourself kind of an identity that yep, kind of coming back to the illustration of uh, finding yourself in something bigger than you mm-hmm. instead of trying to find these little things right. that are going to fit right. the void. Yeah, yeah it's going to be something bigger than us. And whenever we immerse ourselves in the church, we, we realize that we're a part of something way bigger than ourselves and we are part of the bride of Christ. This, uh, there's, there's like nothing more precious to yeah. Jesus in the whole world right. than his bride. Gave his life for it. Big stuff going on for you tomorrow. New job. Yep, going to be long-term substitute for the English language arts position for sixth grade. So I'm moving hallways, going from eighth grade to sixth grade, and I'll be there till the end of the year teaching English language arts. What's the biggest difference you'd say between eighth grade hallway and sixth grade hallway? Everything I've heard is that the boys' bathroom is just horrible. (laughs) That they're just, like, constantly, like, climbing around on the stalls, going under the stalls, like, yelling, throwing stuff around. Okay, yeah, that's not where I was headed with that. When you said the bathroom is awful, it's not what I was thinking. Rowdiness in the bathroom is what you're talking about. Right, right. And all the sixth grade teachers are pretty excited that I'm going to be there because they're all women. 
So. Oh, so you'll be the only male. <laughs> so I'm on oh. bathroom duty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.